Welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast, where we discuss weight loss, women's health, and food. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Awad, a family doctor and certified weight loss coach. This podcast is informational, but is not meant as medical advice. Anything you want to change after listening should be discussed with your own doctor and personal medical team. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Hello, and welcome to the Vibrant MD Podcast. I'm Dr. Heather Allen, your host, and thank you for being with us. Hello to all the vibrant friends out there. I'm super happy to be having a conversation today with Dr. Sabrina Valkier, who's a culinary medicine specialist, besides being an internal medicine doctor. Um, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about herself first. But I'm really excited about our conversation today. We're going to talk about pillars of health and what to actually put on your plate to have a, a nutritious meal. So welcome. Thank you so much, Dr. Watt. I'm really excited to be here in this conversation with you. Great. Well, actually, tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and what you do. Absolutely. So I am an internal medicine trained physician and I am based out of San Diego, California. And I feel like I need to add this at some point. So I'll just say it now. I actually was born and raised in Mexico City. So Spanish is my first language. My I also had a set of grandparents that lived in Switzerland. So I would spend my summers there. So this kind of contrast between the the spice and the the culture that Mexico gives, and then the simple summers of going to the butcher, going to the the fruits and vegetable stand on a day-to-day basis when I would spend my summers in Switzerland. So kind of this contrast. But yeah, so essentially I practiced primary care in a multi-specialty group here in San Diego for almost 16 years. And then in 2016, I went to a conference about culinary medicine and I had this moment of realizing that my life was about to take a giant swerve. I didn't know what that would look like. I had no sense. It was a five-day conference at the time and I was having this internal struggle with myself of realizing that this part of me was being awoken and then saying, well, what if, what if my job doesn't let me do it? And then realizing that this is my life path and, and slowly things evolve from there. I actually start crying when the keynote started talking, realizing that I could really bring together my passion of food and my career in medicine. Well, I love that. And I love hearing how you were very connected to your food as a, as a child that really, you know, some people get that and that's and some people end up feeling very disconnected from their food I think as as kids so yeah so we're about what culinary medicine actually is because a lot of people haven't heard of it yes so culinary medicine is is a pretty new specialty and it's really the the merging of evidence-based nutritional information meeting the culinary arts so what that translates to is helping people understand the why So what happens if I eat, say, a donut and a sugary cereal for breakfast every day, and then when I start crashing at work, I reach for another donut, have the 3 p.m. kind of caffeine pick-me-up kind of thing? What happens to my body if I do that or having really processed food on a day-to-day versus if I have a meal that's more balanced? And and I, I need to do a caveat that A, I love delicious food, and B, I'm not saying you can never have a donut or can't have the sugary coffee it is really finding that grounding. And I'm sure we'll go into that more, but I feel I feel I needed to give that segue as we start this conversation. Thanks. So yeah, so essentially the why and then the how. So now that I've learned that, you know, more balanced meal with whole grains, fruits and vegetables, well thought out proteins really helps my body in a fantastic way. How do I do that? What if I didn't have someone in my household that 
knew how to cook. And so I could see it on a day to day. There are now multiple generations where nobody's cooked. So how do I do that with my schedule, with my budget, with my taste buds, which are going to be very different from you, Dr. Awad, compared to me, compared to other anybody listening? Great, great. That's cool. Thank you. Well, one of the things we want to talk about today is the pillars of health. Um, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'm excited to hear you talk to the audience about it today. And why don't you go ahead and what's the first one you would say? Perfect. So I feel so feel like I need to add this too. So I did culinary medicine training two years, and then I actually went back to school for an additional two years for lifestyle medicine. And the focus of these pillars comes in, and I was using this in primary care even before getting board certified in lifestyle medicine, but lifestyle medicine really focuses on these pillars of wellness of really thinking, what are things that I can root myself in? So when life feels really chaotic and we feel like we have so little control over either our job or family situation or relationships, what are things that I can ground myself on and touch base on, on every day or every week or every month? So the six pillars are the first one is nutrition. And of course, that's where culinary medicine fits in. And the goal, again, is really focusing on eating foods as close to nature intended. So again, whole grains rather than processed grains, fruits and vegetables, and well thought out proteins. So especially adding the most from the plant kingdom that we can, because mm -hmm. we've really moved away from that overall as a society. So that's right. pillar number one. Okay. And number two. Perfect. So number two is exercise. So moving our body in whatever way feels right to where we are physically, where we feel emotionally, maybe that day or that month. And what I mean by that is it does not mean that you have to get a gym membership. It does not mean that you have to, you know, get sporty spice into clothing that might feel uncomfortable. It's really that sense of moving, remembering to move our body. So a lot of us, you know, working, a lot of us work from home now, especially after the pandemic that has stayed around for more of us than before, remembering to get up and maybe go around the block a few times, setting sometimes a timer or some way to remind ourselves to get up and move around. And again, it doesn't have to be that hour that we, you hear about these 10,000 steps that can feel so giant that we do nothing. So remembering again, just to, to take some steps. Sometimes for people, it can be transitioning. So if I am finishing my day and I'm about to start my evening with my family, taking a walk around the block to let go of my workday and begin to tune in to what the evening is going to hold for me. We love that. That's, one of the things I like to offer to my audience too, and sometimes is to, if they don't know what to do, is to think about something that they used to like to do. Because is that's, you know, sometimes that's still available to you. Yes. Um, whether, you know, if you like to run in the park as a kid, then maybe you want to walk over to your local park now, um, mm -hmm. you know, or if there's a sport that you love before, you can do it very imperfectly as an adult. That's <laughs> on it. I feel like I need to add an anecdotal story to that because I did, I was a figure skater for, for years and I would do ballet and dancing to go with it. And that's actually something I started doing is I got a pair of ballet shoes and I started dancing in my house when nobody was watching. And my son, this was several years ago, but he would come home and if he would see my dance shoes by the door, he's like, did you make sure the windows were closed before? My kids sure keep you humble, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do, for sure. <laughs> That's great. All right, number three. Perfect. So number three is having that awakening or that realization of what is our relationship with substances that may not serve us in the long run. So that would be things like 
tobacco products, alcohol, other drugs. And again, without all of these are really touching base on without getting mad at ourselves or without really coming down on ourselves. It's just having that eye opening of saying, ha, maybe I do reach for that, those glasses of wine after work more than, than serves me. And again, it's just having that eyes wide open approach to what is our relationship with alcohol, cigarettes, and other substances. A lot of my clients end up looking at that, even for weight loss, just because sometimes examining is all we need to do to, to make a change, to look at it and say, oh, this is exactly how I want it. Or looking at it and saying, oh, actually, I think I'd like to do this a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience, Dr. Watt, is sometimes it ends up being a habit that we don't even realize we're doing anymore. So it could be on the way home, there's a certain place where, where someone might buy their cigarettes or someone might buy that bottle of wine after a long day at work. And, and again, having that awareness, like you mentioned, and sometimes even driving a different way home, or is it that sense of holding something at the end of a day? Could it be substituted with sparkling water or something where you still have that sense of sitting down, unwinding, but you're no longer giving your body something that may be affecting you in, a, in an ill way long-term? That's great. Okay, number four. All right, so number next, number, I feel like I'm dictating the book. <laughs> Number four is stress management. And so this is this could be verbalized or said in many different ways. So some people find that it's whatever helps you be in that moment where you're you're not feeling that sense of meeting metrics or feeling like, oh, here's yet one more thing I need to do with my day. So for some people, it could be meditating or journaling or dancing like no one's watching or you think no one's watching or it could be knitting or mindfully chopping vegetables with music that you enjoy. Or like you mentioned, Maybe you played the piano many years ago and you realize tinkering on the piano um, or playing beautiful music without letting go of that sense of 10 years ago, I could play this song and maybe now I can only play another song. Again, just immersing yourself in the joy of whatever activity it might be. I love that. I actually love chopping vegetables. I never knew that was going to be a a thing. In fact, my sister-in-law says, no, you should buy the frozen already cut onions. And I want to tell her actually every good recipe starts with a chopped onion. And so I, I just feel like it, it centers me. I, I stand at the counter, I chop the onion. The whole world is, is good. <laughs> I love that. Do you cry when you're cutting said onion? Though? Frequently. <laughs> That's it. Maybe I need the release. <laughs> okay, there you go. I love it. I love that. It's interesting because Going into that chopping, sometimes it can be, again, insurmountable. Oh, here goes another recipe with an onion. Yeah. And, and for some people, if we have low energy, it could be cutting those two, no pun intended on the cutting, but separating those two activities. So maybe one has a little burst of energy late morning if we're home and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to cut my vegetables in the morning, have a break, take a nap or, or go on with my day. And then part two is then the cooking. So it doesn't feel like this insurmountable activity that's upon us. Right, right. I love that. And I sometimes will buy something already chopped and then I chop the rest because I'm also, you know, I, you know, I've got teenagers. So there's a schedule. The food has to be ready on a schedule on the night that I'm cooking. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely just finding the ways that it works for you. Yeah. And and you mentioned teenagers. I now have them sometimes do the chopping of the vegetables too, which helps the flow, the flow of the household too. 
It's good. All right. What's next? Number five. I got my numbers again. Number five is sleep. So it's the same as we talked about before of just observing. How many hours of sleep does my body need to work at its best? Most people need between seven and nine hours of sleep. And just having that realization, I'm a nine hour per night person. And I also am one that tends to need to go to bed earlier and wake up earlier. Mm -hmm. Different than the rest of the people in my household. But that's, and I say my situation, because again, we're all going to be different. But realizing that if we start burning the candle from both ends, it starts affecting not only, of course, our quality, you know, we need more sleep, but it also affects all these other pillars. So if we did not sleep well, then the food that we might crave might be different. Then the the energy we might have to go on those walks or to dance in our house, all of those might be lost. So all of these are almost like like spinning six six pillars, six plates, and we're, we're trying to balance all of these. So if we tip one over, everything starts stumbling away. So that's that's the relationship with sleep. And also the parts that affect our sleep. So if I do have an extra glass of wine at night or otherwise, that might affect my quality of sleep, which again affects affects the other pillars as well. Right. And, you know, a lot of people listening are women who are 50 and over. And and oftentimes, you know, we're they're in a phase of life where things have changed. Like, you know, before sleep was your superpower, you could fall asleep anytime, you know, and, and now all of a sudden there's, you know, fall, you know, maybe you're having a hard time falling asleep or you're waking up with your heart palpitating or, you know, or hot flashes. Or, you know, there's many things that cause sleep disturbances at this age. So it's, yeah. it's okay to to know that that's a normal thing and that there are things to do about it. And, and kind of just looking at what is affecting your sleep. Are some of these things just randomly coming to you? Because there, there is help to be had for these issues. I love that you're, you're, what you're bringing up right now, because that emphasis, again, these Sometimes if we look at the other way on sleep, so if we're working, deciding, you know what, I'm going to try meditating, even if it's just five minutes a day, with that, often people will find their sleep is better. So again, it's those, I don't like the idea of the plates because now I'm stressed out thinking about these things with this sense of this constant kind of balancing of those. And and also that mindfulness of saying, if I do wake up in the middle of the night and and I know for some women, as they're perimenopausal, maybe not yet in menopause, but perimenopause, they might have certain times of the cycle where you may not be sleeping as well. And, and you start having those few nights a week and it's like, okay, this is the, this is the week where I'm not going to be able to sleep. And knowing that that kind of anticipating can be helpful. So having some people can use like a, a mindfulness app where there's storytelling or otherwise that helps one go back to bed or just moving to another space and listening to pleasant music or so almost in preparation of knowing that those those nights are going to come and not not going into desperation mode but being that self-kindness and self-love space right. in the middle of the night yeah i love that and when and if those things aren't helping also it is a good time to revisit these issues with your doctor acupuncturists can help with sleep problems as well so there are there are people to help if you're trying all the things and and feeling frustrated too. Yeah, you- I love that you're emphasized you're not alone. And that's often we feel like we need to, I think as women and and in this this age age range that we're talking about, kind of the 40 to 60, the sense of we've worked so hard in so many different parts of our life. And I feel like the first thing we reach for in our bag is what 
I must need to work harder to make this better and to realize that we have we have experts, we have people around us, which actually goes into number six. So I'll go with that of having healthy relationships and of having our community where we can reach out when to share joyful events, but also that community is also knowing your physician, your your doctor, your acupuncturist, health coach, all these different entities that can play a role make a big difference. And it could be as simple as the person that you go get your espresso on the way to work and that smile or that interaction with with people in your community can make a big difference. And I know we saw a huge change of this with the pandemic of that isolation that came about and that reminder of needing to interact with people in whatever way feels the best for oneself. Right. I love that. So we have these six. And one of the things that I like about this, about these pillars, is there are times when something feels out of balance or you just don't feel like things are going how you want them to go and you're not even sure what it is to be able to look at these six and, and say, oh, is one of these out of whack now? Is it the sleep or, or am I not handling, you know, am I not doing anything for myself about my stress or are you feeling disconnected from people? You know, there, there's just a, like you said, the balance of the, of the group gives you something to look at. Definitely. And it's, and again, it's looking at it without self-judgment, looking at it just objectively of saying, let me do my little, my, my checklist of checking in with myself. And, and often it could be the, the silliest thing. Like there was something new on Netflix and one stayed up later for a few nights because you started watching too many episodes. So now you're again, getting a little bit less sleep at night over a few nights and how that starts affecting again, that, that kind of domino effect that can come from that. And sometimes it's in our control or not in our control, right? So we're traveling more or we have a sick child at home or a sick parent or we're sick ourselves or sick spouse or partner. Any of these can put us off kilter and say, how can I pull in to what I know has served me in the past? And, and again, sometimes it could be an injury. So maybe you're not going on those walks and, and you don't realize what a huge role those walks around the block where you were noticing a blossom of a flower in the springtime or you know, the neighbors finally mowed their lawn, whatever those little things might be, those, those are being mindful. Those are noticing the world around you. And again, if you sprain your ankles, so you're not walking, that could be enough that could throw off these pillars. So, so again, checking in with oneself regularly. I love that. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about what, what to eat. You know, we, I didn't mean to gloss over nutrition in the first one, but I, I knew we were going to get back to a little bit more specifically, when you are thinking, I want to eat healthier, I'm going to, you know, what should I, what should I do? Well, you just go to the library and find the one book that tells you exactly how to eat. Oh God, what is that? What is, that? What is, the, what is the golden book? It's funny. I was at a bookstore. I love going, I love going to bookstores anytime, but I was at a used bookstore and I ended up, the only chair there was, was actually in the, in the food and health section. So I sat down and I just started looking at the walls around me and thinking about all these books. These are used books, right? So these are all books that somebody at some point had in their house and decided they were either, they had served them well or never served them in the first place and they moved <laughs> on. So I say that because it is so easy when we want an answer, when we want to lose weight, when we want to, when we want our body to respond in a way that is not 
currently responding to what we're doing. So we want the quick fix. We live in a quick fix society. We want that one hit wonder, the pill or the magic diet. And I should say there's a few things that I don't use very often. And one is diet and one is calories. Um, and a lot of it is really stepping and looking at the broad strokes. So many, a few decades ago, we went from the, as a, as a country, we went from the food pyramid to the plate. A good transition because we usually eat on plates and most of us eat on round plates. So thinking about when I'm filling up my plate, what do I want on it? Great. So I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Yeah, please do. Well, those of you who are watching on YouTube, I'm going to pull up the Harvard Healthy Eating Plate. And go ahead. Victor Perfect. Perfect. And actually, you we, we couldn't have planned this any better because I was just going to say, so the government has their government plate. And the Harvard Healthy Eating Plate is actually dear to my heart because I know this is not going to be a political discussion, but there's a lot of different entities and voices that go into what we're told to eat as Americans. And what the Harvard Healthy Eating Plate does is it moves back to the step of staying behind the evidence-based science behind the recommendations without political entities like the dairy or the grain or meat industry getting, getting involved. So that's why I love this plate. It's also available in many different languages. So for you that are listening, if there's another language that's more comfortable for you or anyone in your household, you can download this. You can literally put healthy eating plate PDF on Google and it'll come up and you can download it. It's available, I believe, in at least a dozen languages. Nice. And really looking at the broad strokes of this, I know a lot of people are just listening audible. So just picture a round plate and essentially the whole left side of the plate is fruits and vegetables, any combination thereof. There's a lot of sometimes a sense that if one has diabetes, that this, this conversation that fruits might raise your sugar. Juices and eating fruit in their whole form is a completely different ballgame because fruits themselves have a lot of fiber in them that balances out that sugar. So again, eating the food in its non-processed form, which will be fruits and vegetables in any format, that could be raw, that could be roasted, you can use frozen vegetables, which again have a much longer half-life. And again, I've converted many people to starting to like vegetables by roasting vegetables, I, especially nieces and nephews. I feel very, very proud of having them seek out and wanting Auntie Sabrina to make, they call them burnt trees, but I like, I would say they're perfectly roasted. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> so again, well, not that you shouldn't eat fruit if you're trying to lose weight. And really there, you know, fruits and vegetables are things that everyone should eat for their good health and can be part of your weight loss journey. So I, I just want to, to make sure people know that as well. Yeah. Thank you for adding that because I know I talked about specifically about diabetes, but again, in its, in its form, the only caveat with that is, so again, even if, if one, because of budget or because of lifespan or because of the fruits and vegetables that can come into our life, if they are canned, that's where fruits, you just want to be careful about what else is in that can. So often, for example, peaches, they are, there's a lot of added sugar that comes in there. So it's a lot of things that didn't come the way nature made mm -hmm. that, that peach on the tree. And if you do get canned vegetables, because that's what you can get at home, fantastic. Rinse it out with water, get rid of the extra sodium that's in there. And that's better than not having any fruits or vegetables at all. Okay, so we've got the left side of the plate. We got our fruits and vegetables. The upper right corner, the quadrant, the quarter is whole grains. And 
essentially just to quickly explain what a whole grain is. So a grain has three parts and this could be any grain. I think, I feel like pop popcorn is a perfect example. Think of this when you have the kernel, that hard part on the outside, when we pop it and sometimes get stuck in our gums, that's, that's the, the outer husk. And that actually has a lot of fiber and vitamins in it. Then there's the germ, which is the inner part that has the oils, which will also have the fat soluble vitamins, also vitamin, other vitamins and minerals. And then there's the white starchy part. So again, when we have our air pop popcorn, that white fluffy stuff, that's what's called the endosperm. If we're looking at a wheat kernel, it still has the th same three parts, but the endosperm is what white flour is made out of. And the tricky part is that white flour doesn't have any nutrients. So the germ and the husk, so again, that inner part with the healthy oils and the husk, the outer part, that's what has the fiber, the vitamins, the minerals. All of these are removed to make this beautiful white flour that gives us pastries and cakes and otherwise. The problem is, and we saw this as a country, that they're so nutrition deficient that we actually fortify. So in, as a country, we started seeing vitamin deficiencies. This is a little history lesson here. We started seeing vitamin deficiencies that we hadn't seen for hundreds of years, something called beriberi, which comes from B vitamin deficiencies. So as a country, what did we do? Did we go back to whole grain? No, we fortified. So this is where you see your sugary cereal, but it says, you know, fortified with all your essential vitamins. Our body will always do better when you get the food in the form that it that nature intended. So if there's any way to add, so say you're in a household that eats pasta, can you have whole wheat pasta? Like capellini, it's a really thin pasta. Uh, some people don't like the mouthfeel of whole wheat pasta, but capellini, it's really thin. That's a great one to start with. Or something like fusilli, which looks like little corkscrews. That's a great one to do. So so adding that, or if you have rice, can you do red rice or, or black rice or forbidden rice? Those are each, as you get darker with your rice, you're going to have more, more fiber, more protein in it as well. So some ideas there. And if you're gluten intolerant or celiac, that does not mean that you, that you have to take out this whole quadrant. There are over a dozen naturally gluten-free grains out there. And there's a lot of places that you can get them that are that you don't have to buy the forever size. You can buy them in bulk. You can buy a small amount and try them out in your household and see which ones you like. Like there was one, we we have an open floor plan in our house and we made one and none of us like the smell, how our whole house smelled. It's like, okay, so that one didn't do it for us, but we had so many others to explore. So that's that's that piece. The last quadrant is the the lower right quarter is healthy protein. So I, I like to think of this well thought out protein. And this could be anything like, let me step back just a little bit. The science behind this and the research, this is based pretty much on a Mediterranean pattern of eating. This is this is a pattern of eating. Notice I'm not saying the word diet, pattern of eating that has shown really the 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 longest evidence, the longest amount of science of longevity. So people living longer and also a pattern of eating that is sustainable. So most of us can do a quote unquote diet for two to three months. And yes, we're going to lose weight pretty much on any eating pattern where you're following what somebody else is telling you to eat, you will lose weight. But what is sustainable? What can allow you to be social with those around you? What can allow you to enjoy the flavors that are delicious to you on a long-term basis? So, um, so that's a piece. So that Mediterranean pattern of eating recommendation of fish twice a week 
And that could be Cantuna if that's what you have available or if that's what you enjoy. Or it could be, you know, here in San Diego, I go to the dock once in a while and actually get the fish that the fishermen caught that week. And that is a beautiful luxury of mindful and being in nature and exercise with the walk, et cetera. Also thinking about are there days where you can do something with legumes, which are anything that grows in a pod. So beans, lentils, things like edamame, tofu products. Those are all fantastic plant-based and you can use canned beans, like I said, and you rinse them out to get rid of the extra sodium because the sodium is added in there for preservation. But it's not something that if you don't know how to make beans from, from dry beans that you should omit that altogether. And then limiting red meat. Again, it's not saying you can't have meat, but thinking about, again, only quarter of the plate rather than the steak filling up that whole plate where there's no room for those vegetables, whole grains or fruits. But really thinking about where is my where is my meat coming from and that one quarter rather than the whole plate. To round out our plate, on the upper right, we have water. In the myplate.gov, the government one, there's dairy. And what I want to emphasize there is we need calcium and you can get calcium from the your what we already mentioned on that plate. Especially things like dark leafy green vegetables gives us high amounts of calcium. And what we need is hydration and primarily hydration from water, unsweetened coffee, and unsweetened tea. We do not need three cups of milk to get the calcium that we need or to hydrate. And I emphasize that because for adults and kids, often we hydrate or we'll have the cups of milk or or give them to our children because that's what we've been told to do. And again, there's so many healthier ways of getting hydration and our calcium on a day-to-day. And it could be as simple as yogurt, for example. So it's still dairy, but it's fermented. So it has this microbiome. This this will be a whole nother topic, but we'll right, just touch right. base. Yeah, super briefly. But essentially, there's this healthy bacteria in our intestines that we need to keep really healthy. And fermented foods can really help with that. And yogurt is one option for that. And then just on the upper left, we have healthy oils. So luckily we're moving away from that kind of that fat-free phase that we were in as a country starting in the 80s and emphasizing that oils and fats are necessary for our body, but really thinking about what oils we're using for anything like if we're making dressings or if we're cooking of really focusing and moving towards oils that are better for our body than others. And then the last little bit is there's a little running person that says stay active. So maybe it's not, maybe they're not running. Maybe they're doing their dancing in their house. Who knows what the the person in the healthy eating plate is doing. Right, right. Well, so share with our audience what oils you like to use in your kitchen. Yeah. So the way I think of is is essentially having two main oils. One is for my day-to-day cooking, which I use olive oil and extra virgin olive oil. And you can use it up roasting. It works just fine. Also for making homemade dressings, that works really well as well. If I'm doing something that requires higher temperature cooking, like if I'm making stovetop popcorn, for example, something like a canola oil or sunflower oil. Avocado oil is fantastic for all these. It is is a very high price point. So avocado oil, I use Try to get it on sale whenever possible, but a reminder that oils don't do so well after about six months. So not going out if there's an avocado oil sale and buying out the forever size because it'll it'll it won't keep very much after six months. 
So avocado oil, I use essentially if we do air pop popcorn and then I'll drizzle it on, on top as kind of my glue before I put whatever topping I want in my, in my oil. And I feel like I need to contrast this because so it's those oils versus what? And the what is something like corn oil that is often used in, in store-bought dressings. Right. And the reason we emphasize this so much is that there is there are some oils that are pro-inflammatory and others that are anti-inflammatory and really processed food and ultra-processed food like baked goods and store-bought dressings really use oils that, that are pro-inflammatory. So anything we can control to, to decrease the amount of those pro-inflammatory and add the anti-inflammatory can really move you in a direction of, again, giving your body the building blocks to be able to, to work at its optimal level. Great. I find too that sometimes even a dressing will say it's an olive oil dressing. And then when you look at the ingredients, put a little bit in there and then put a lot of corn or something else. Yeah. Fillers. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you're saying you just mentioned that because the front of a package will always be an advertisement, right? They want you to buy this product. So it'll say, you know, it, I almost feel like they'll have a piece of fruit that'll tell you it's gluten-free. Well, it's it's an apple. There's not going to be any gluten in it. But we hear these buzzwords and and we, you know, we're in a rush. We want to, you know, we want to feed ourselves and feed our family in a way that nurtures us. So taking that time when you're able to, so when there's not kids crawling on you or you have a meeting 15 minutes later or otherwise, to take some time to turn that box around or that bag around and look at the ingredients. Like Dr. Awadi just mentioned the oil. So in the front, they're going to advertise olive oil because there's this kind of knowledge that olive oil is healthy for us. But if you look on the back and see that there's all these other oils listed, that's a red flag. So that's, that's just something to keep in mind. And a quick math that you can do for things like meal substitution bars or cereals, for example, there essentially, if you look at the label, this is this is nutritional label reading 101, and you want to see, essentially see that your grams of fiber plus your grams of protein are more than your grams of sugar. I'm going nice. to repeat that again. Yeah. So your grams of fiber plus your grams of protein to be more than your grams of sugar. And it's really eye opening because you often will assume so. I'll use Cheerios, for example. You can tell I spent a lot of time in the, in the grocery store reading labels. So if you look at regular Cheerios, for example, they'll fit this criteria. But if you mm -hmm. look at high-protein high Cheerios, so you look in the eye, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I know cereal doesn't have much protein, so I'm going to get the high protein. That one, yes, there's more protein, but the amount of sugar that is added, I'm guessing whatever protein they use must not have a palatable taste. So they add a ton of sugar to make up for that. And now you're essentially getting a sugar load so you're much better off essentially having your regular Cheerios. But the take home with cereals is that they're not many that fit the criteria, which really tells us that it may not be the best way to fuel our body on a day to day. Right, right. Well, thank you. I'm going to just pull this back. Yeah. Okay. So what are kind of your big take homes for people who have been listening today? So the Biggest, I want to re-emphasize. So these two, these two pieces that we talked about. So these pillars of wellness of kind of checking in with ourselves on a day-to-day. -day. And and essentially just to re-emphasize. So the six of them are nutrition, exercise, tobacco and alcohol use or other substances. What's our relationship with them? The fourth one is stress management, the fifth one sleep, and the last one is healthy relationships. 
So again, taking that time to just kind of do inventory, that's, that's, that's kind of the most objective way I can think about it. Just say, how, how am I doing with those? And then the plate, I, I used to joke that if I had a tattoo, I would put that, that tattoo on my forehead and then I realized I wouldn't be able to see it. So that would not be a good location for it. But that plate is really kind of ingrained in me of not just when I'm sitting down to eat, but making sure that I am bringing those pieces into my household knowing that there are going to be days when I do not feel like cooking, knowing when there's, I can't convince anyone else to cook and I'm the primary cook because I enjoy it. But yes, there are days I don't want to do the job. So thinking about having those canned beans as a, as a potential, thinking of if I did make, say, a chili one day, freezing some of it for those days where no one's in the mood and you open your freezer and you can be your own amazing chef from two weeks ago. And, and also most important, I say my, my final words, I would say is being kind to yourself as you do that inventory, as you think about what does your plate currently look like? And are there ways to add some of those components to move your health in a direction that feels more empowering to you and start small. So today, from what you heard, you may say, you know what? I did enjoy dancing. Let me dust off those ballet slippers that are in my cupboard. Be careful if you were on point because it did take a while to get to point, I'm sure. Or thinking of, you know what? I really don't drink water. Hydration is a great way to start. And can you set up, you know, fill up a big jug or a pitcher if you work from home and working on that pitcher throughout the day of just being kind and saying, you're not going to build Rome in a day of how can I pull in pieces? Sometimes we are visual eaters. And so putting, I'm looking to the side here as I'm looking in my own dining room table. Is there a way to visually appeal to us? Just like if the cookies are right there and we're going to reach for them more. What if we do the opposite and put a plate or a bowl of seasonal vegetable or sorry, seasonal fruit that can stay out of the refrigerator? And I'm looking over there. I was like, okay, good. My, my family's been eating the nectarines, not nectarines yet. Sorry. We have orange citrus right now and bananas and apples and and having that accessible. So just like convenience food can be food that doesn't serve us, we can turn that around and make convenience something that really is feeding our body and our soul. I love that. And I love that you that you say to, to make small steps with it because really that is the way to go and it's it makes it so much easier and you get to experiment with what you like. And there's never any reason to beat yourself up for what's going on because because you can make a different small step next time. I was actually just thinking as we're talking, we had a vegetable stir fry last night with some whole grain. And I was thinking, you know, we had a bowl of clementines, those little tiny oranges on, on the counter. And I, I could have added that. And I, they're still there. So maybe tonight I'm going to add that to have some fruit with my dinner. And, and that sounds amazing. So it does sound amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for this conversation. And I just appreciate you bringing this information and, and talking through the plate with us. Cause sometimes, even sometimes I show people the plate and they freeze up a little. So I appreciate that you kind of talked through it and in ways to make small changes because it's not meant to be something that you beat yourself up with. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing is really, we want food to be joy. And I know sometimes when our, again, when our weight's not where we want it to be, or we mm. don't feel the energy that we maybe once felt, we start we start getting angry at ourselves and to go to that place of kindness and pulling in. Like right now, think about the fruits, like mangoes growing up in Mexico. Mangoes is one of my favorite fruits. And right now it's back in season and I'm just rejoicing and seeing it at, on the kitchen counter. And every time I slice into it, 
taking that time to just to smell it and to have those those memories that come with it. And that is self-kindness and that is self-love and that will carry us incredibly far. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, how, if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? I know you, you have a podcast as well, right? And, and other ways to connect with you. So please tell the audience about those. Absolutely. So I am the host of a podcast called Doctors Plus Premium, and it's available on Apple Podcasts. And it's really meant for all of us to hear. So essentially, it's, it's doctors that are traditionally trained. We have a couple of PhDs that we've interviewed as well, who practice medicine like we get in our day-to-day -day medical care and use food in, in the role that they play. So for example, I, I've interviewed an oncologist, so cancer doctor who also works with a naturopathic doctor. So often people will seek out kind of both, but they don't speak to each other and really bringing those conversations together where they'll have a patient who's going through chemotherapy and the naturopath will talk about things that could be added that, that will help with the treatment. We've talked to, I've talked to a primary care doctor who now does obesity medicine in Canada and really works on intuitive eating. So that sense of, of really tuning in with our relationship with food, our, our historic relationship with food, how food was talked about in our childhood, whether it was used as a prize or uses a, the opposite of a prize. <laughs> kind of punishment. A punishment, thank you. Wow. So really that's, so that's a podcast. And again, that's Doctors Plus Premium. And then also my company is called Sensation Salud. So really waking up all your senses around food. And again, because I grew up in Mexico, salud has a double meaning in Spanish of meaning health, but it also means cheers, of cheering life. Mm -hmm. And so you can go to Sensation Salud on social media or sensationsalud.com and sign up for my newsletter. And also I have a series that come out intermittently where it's virtual classes. So beginning and intermediate series for people to be able to cook from their home where it builds a lot on what we talked about today to do recipes together. And the nice thing is you're cooking out of your home, which sounds awkward, but it's that awkwardness we need to get through to be able to feel more comfortable making delicious meals out of our own space. Great. And I will make sure we have all of your links in the show notes. So people want to find you, they should be able to do it easily there through the show notes too. Perfect. Thank you, Dr. Awad. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with me today and everything that you shared. And I just really appreciate you. Me as well. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks to our audience for listening today.